Greetings from Quail Lakes Baptist Church in Stockton, California. Thank you for your interest in our downloadable messages. Our more recent teachings, such as Pastor Mark's current sermon series, are always available on iTunes. However, for a more comprehensive offering of Quail's Bible-based teachings from Pastor Mark and others, we offer an extensive archive of downloadable sermon MP3s on our website, as well as information on our fellowship and our ministries. Please visit us online at www.qlbc.org. These messages are also available on CD or cassette. For more information, please call our church office at 209-951-7380. We trust you will be blessed and edified by what you are about to hear. Thank you for listening. Take your Bibles, please, and turn to Philippians chapter 2. That's our passage today. Philippians chapter 2, we are bringing to a conclusion the series Living Well, and we've defined that as the kind of life that God blesses, the kind of life that is fulfilled and finding a connection to what God is doing in the world. That's wellness, and here's the key concept today. God calls the church to unselfish unity. Not only do we want to live well ourselves individually, but as a family of faith. Today we're talking about unity in Christ. Philippians chapter 2. As you find that passage, let me tell you a story written by the author Barbara Brokoff. She tells about being part of an American tour group that was uh, touring the great cities of Europe. And when they were in Rome... Uh, after they visited the basilica that they were uh, seeing that first, first stop that morning, they actually had to cross several lanes of very busy, very risky Roman traffic to get to the tour bus on the other side. And as they looked out over this, this sea of Vespas and mini cars and vans going in all directions, just complete chaos, no regards to lanes or lights or the police whistles that were blowing. It was just everyone going everywhere. And the, the guide for the group understood that these people were from California where pedestrians have the right of way. Not so in Europe in many places. And so the, the guide shouted to the people, afraid that they would wade out into the traffic. He said, if you cross one by one, they will hit you one by one. <laughs> but stay together and they will not hurt you. They think you will hurt their car. <laughs> and with that logic, they stayed together. They got across the street. It's good advice. Stick together for safety. It's good advice for the church. Stick together. In fact, it's a command. Stick together. Let me tell you about a fictional church in a fictional town filled with fictional people who probably you might, see, might seem very familiar to you. There's a guy named Albert. He sits in the last row of the church. He sat in that seat in that last row for the last 54 years. He never misses. He's always there. And the ushers know not to sit a visitor in that seat because Albert considers that his seat. And he's going to make a scene if somebody's sitting in his seat before he gets there. Even though the pastor says there's no names on these seats, still, they make sure nobody sits in Albert's seat. And this particular Sunday, Albert is scowling as he reads the bulletin. And he's scowling because he sees that the message is on love. 
Albert doesn't come to church to hear messages on love. He comes to church to see charts of the end times. That's what he wants. And across the aisle is Gertie watching Albert scowl as he reads the bulletin. And immediately she's upset because she thinks, oh, he's found a mistake in the bulletin again. You see, Gertie is the church secretary. And she knows she's going to hear it from Albert if he sees a mistake. And next to Gertie is Georgiana. When the first song starts, she's startled awake because her medication is causing her to be sleepy. But behind her, Chuck notices her nodding off. He thinks to himself, the nerve of that lady. She's always telling me, turn down the mic, turn up the heat, you know, and now she can't even stay awake during the, during the singing. Next to the side of Chuck is Mel. Mel knows that Chuck voted for the other candidate in the last election. <laughs> And he considers anyone who is not towing the line of his political view completely to be sub-Christian. By Mel is Edna. Edna is not singing. Edna will not sing because the song leader has hurt her feelings. And this is the way she expresses her rage. You see, she's offered many times to play special music at the holiday services. After all, she was first chair bassoon in junior high. But does she get the spot? No. So she is never going to sing as long as that guy leads the songs. And on and on it goes in this fictional church in a fictional town that's all too familiar. They have a very hard time sticking together. But Paul says, stick together. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. Follow along as I read. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Now, when we read this passage, the first thing you need to understand is you should take the word if with the sense of, the force of, since. So he's really saying, since you have encouragement from Christ, since you have comfort in his love, since you have fellowship with the Holy Spirit, since you have a new tenderness of heart and compassion, then in a sense he's making a personal appeal, then do this for me. Make my joy complete and live in harmony with one another. This makes the heart of a pastor happy. When he sees unity in the church. This is the example we must show to a world that is divided. What love and unity looks like. But Paul recognizes, as we all must recognize, that there are differences within the body of Christ that if we allow them, they will divide us. Differences can cause misunderstandings. And it's happening all around us in our culture today, in our nation today. Social scientists are using a word in the news and in interviews that I hear. The word is tribal. Things are getting tribal out there. What do they mean by that? They mean people are grouping up. 
They're kind of banding together with this group against that group and that group against the group over here. And then all of it comes from a position of arrogance, from a position of pride, from a position of opposition, as if everybody else is the enemy. And what's, what the problem is, is that that attitude, if we don't pay attention, can seep into the church of Jesus Christ. Paul here says, make sure that doesn't happen. Because even though the differences exist, you must value human, unity. Because difference can cause harmony. It doesn't have to, uh, have to cause uh, disunity. We are not meant to look like each other. We are not meant to be clones of each other. The church of Jesus Christ does not just stamp out a certain uniform kind of person. We come from all backgrounds, all languages, all ethnic groups. If ever there's a day to emphasize this truth, it's today, tapestry of quail. God's view and God's heart is that everyone, no matter where they are, who they are, what language they speak, what color they are, come to know Christ as personal Savior and be united in the family of God. But in order for that to happen, we must be humble. It takes humility for harmony to happen in the church of Jesus Christ. And Paul recognizes that because he shows us the opposite. This is what will cause it to fragment if we let the opposite happen. And it's in verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. That's the opposite. That's what's going to break us apart. If we insist on our own way, if we believe that we are somehow more important than somebody else, that my view is better, you see, Vain conceit and selfish ambition wants others to yield to me. I assume that my ideas are better than anybody else's ideas. My ideas are more important than anybody else's ideas. The things that I want are more important than what other, other people want. But humility that leads to harmony considers what others better than yourself. Shocking that that's what he calls us to. And when we say yes to that kind of humility, we recognize that we really do need each other. We need each other for emotional encouragement. And it takes that to live the Christian life. It takes having encouragers in the walk. There are discouraging things out there. There are things out there that will tear you down. There are enemies out there. We need allies. Allies who are obviously on our side who obviously care about us, who will listen to us, who will give us good counsel from a godly heart, not from a critical spirit. Amen. Proverbs 27.9 says, The pleasantness of one's friend springs from his earnest counsel. As we understand our call to be there for one another in difficult times sometimes, and things maybe we don't agree with sometimes, but to be there nonetheless, side by side. We need each other for personal stability because love, when I'm loved, it changes me on the inside. It gives me a stability of emotion on the inside. Love and acceptance enables me to love and accept myself a little bit more because even though maybe it shouldn't be like this, the way it is really is what we think about ourselves often is a reflection of what we see in the eyes of other people. What does this person think of me? I begin, to, I begin to think that about myself. And so what should we do? We should be those who think the best of one another. 
We should be those who look for the good in one another and let that be known to one another. Sneak up on somebody and catch them doing something right and tell them about it. Out of the blue, compliment. Be willing to demonstrate our affection. It stabilizes who we are as people. We're called to this kind of unity. Paul says, consider others better than yourselves. That kind of consideration doesn't come easy. In case you think it should, pay attention to the kinds of word that he, words that he uses. He's, he's talking about this exact same kind of dynamic in Colossians chapter 3. And this is what he says, bear with each other. Bear with each other. That has a sense of hang in there, endure. You don't bear with something that's pleasant or easy, right? When was the last time you, had, you heard someone say, well, I have to endure eating this ice cream cone right now? <laughs> no, that's pleasant. That comes easy. We don't think of enduring that or bearing with that. You bear with or you endure things that are difficult, things that are tough. And Paul says, that's what you're going to have to do towards one another once in a while. This is not going to come easy because it's not what's natural. The world is tribal. We are to be united. It means bearing with one another. And as we do, as we understand that that's what's called for, we grow up. Because he's picturing a maturity in Christ. Mature people. I think in the world today we have enough thin-skinned, easily bruised, quickly insulted, sourpuss, grudge-carrying Christians. I think we have plenty of them in the world. We don't want them here. Right? Bear with each other. Ephesians 4.3 says this, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There it is again. Effort. It's going to be hard. It's going to be something you have to work at. See, the whole point is don't act as if these kinds of verses are not in the Bible. They are. Because Paul knows this is going to take effort. So that when things don't come together just the way I want, when there's a slight offense or some forgetfulness or an accidental insult, don't let the walls of rejection come up. If there's a change that I don't agree with, don't just kind of huff off. We have enough huffy Christians huffing from church to church, never heeding the call, bear with one another. C.S. Lewis writes the book, The Screwtape Letters. In it, he has an imaginary conversation between demons on how to sabotage the church and sabotage the Christian's faith. And he says this, the church, one demon says to the other, the church is a fertile field if you can just keep them bickering over details like structure, organization, money, property, and personal hurts. If he was writing it today, he'd probably say music, politics, and style. Those kinds of things. It's not going to be easy. Consider others. Bear with them. Consideration means prayer, too. It's hard to be angry at somebody that you're praying for. But usually in the flesh, we don't pray for them. The person that has given us offense, the person who has slighted us, it's natural just to talk about them, to mutter and to mumble. But Paul prays. In Philippians chapter 1, he says, In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. He's praying for them. Does that mean that his only memory of Philippi is a positive thought? No. He went to jail here. He went to jail in this town that he's writing this to. And now he's praying for them. And he's praying that they might grow in Christ, that they might be blessed, that they might be changed. 
You see, what happens when we pray for those for, with whom we're struggling a little bit, they are blessed and we are changed. Consideration means prayer. Consideration also means listening to one another. Unity calls us to listen. It takes suspending judgment. It takes not jumping to conclusion. It takes waiting, asking questions, getting clarification, listening. I was thinking about this this past week, and I thought to myself, aren't you glad that in real life we're not like in cartoons where over the top of the person there's a bubble thought so you know what the person is thinking as you read? Can you imagine if that was real life? If when you were talking to someone, a little bubble thought came over their head and you could read their minds, and they were saying, I wish this guy would hurry up and be quiet. Or they were saying, I wonder if she realizes she has spinach in her teeth. Should I tell her? Or I hope nobody sees me, sees me talking to this loser over here. I mean, if that was the thought that you read. Because all of those thoughts, you see, all those tapes that are playing in our brain, they gets in a way of listening. And we're, we're called to listen to one another in consideration. One man I heard about, he, he says he practices the one-fact rule. This is how he listens. Because if, if I meet someone and I'm tempted to be kind of out of sorts with this person, I try to listen for one fact that might explain the way this person is. And as I listen for that one fact, that one aspect of this person that I don't understand yet, I find that, you know, God gives me unity. I don't jump to conclusions. That's consideration. We need that. And we need commitment. Commitment to understand that we're all people in progress, that nobody here has arrived. We will be perfected only in glory, but not here. John Newton wrote this. He said, I'm not what I ought to be. I'm not what I want to be. I'm not what I hope to be in another world, but still I am not what I used to be, and by the grace of God, I am what I am. That's all of us. We're all in progress, and so we, we don't have the right to tear down or to criticize. Perfection comes later. Now we are to live in unity, in humility to one another. Be committed to understand that, and then and you'll be committed to forgive. Because the forgiveness of the little things that happen in the journey of life, if we don't do that, it turns into grudges, and the grudges of today breed antagonism tomorrow, and soon we're splintering into tribes. For the good of the church and the glory of God, we are called to be forgivers. We are called to get on with it, get over it, and be able to be in fellowship with one another. Some time ago, I introduced you to the concept of blessed forgetfulness. Blessed forgetfulness means I am going to deliberately push aside whatever I hear, that rumor that I hear. I'm not going to dwell on that. I'm going to give this person a clean slate. I'm going to push aside that, that slight or that thing, maybe that I even imagined that the person did to me. I'm not going to make that the filter through which I see this person. I'm going to forget that and give this person a, cl a clean slate. Blessed forgetfulness is essential to forgiveness. It's not that we have amnesia, but we're making a decision. I'm going to push that memory aside. Why? So that I don't hold grudges. Because grudges only wound. Grudges only complicate. Grudges only separate. They only destroy. They only hate. They never love. Unity calls for humility. That's where it starts. And Paul writes this chapter 
calling the church to be humble. And then he says, but I have a perfect example of humility in mind. Show, read with me, starting in verse 5. Here it is. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found as appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. Here's what we see in the example of humility in our Lord. That ultimately, the way up is down first. Be humble before one another. And we will live in unity in the bond of peace. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for putting some of these challenges in the word. We recognize that love is to be the ethic. It is to be the example. It is to be what we look like to an onlooking world. Forgive us for the times when what it looks like is more about pride than love. Help us to be humble. Help us to value one another. Help us to be open of mind and open of heart and ready to receive, recognizing that all of us are in progress. None of us has arrived. And so, Lord, we are all together. We love you. Teach us to love one another, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. The team is back to lead us in a closing song. Would you stand as we sing? You know, I was just thinking... How many of us might have sometimes a thought bubble that just has dot, 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 you know, like you're not really listening? But I pray we would be that church that has hearts in that thought bubble. So let's go ahead and sing. They'll know we are Christians by our love together. an issue for prayer in your life, a decision you're making or something you're going through by a circum- in a circumstance, we have prayer counselors waiting by the organ next to the table. They will wait and pray with and for you. And maybe the prayer is for a relationship right now that is strained and that is burdened and that God is calling you to be the humble one within. They will help you in that. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have a plan for us. 
and you give us a roadmap for life. And in this roadmap, we find your blessing. So, Lord, help us to live more about you than about ourselves, more about one another than about our selfish ideas. And, Lord, enable us to be the example of love you want us to be. Bless us as we leave this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for coming.